1 Corinthians. Now, I'm going to tell you some godly principles that I've learned. And I really believe everything in this book is what I learned from men. I learned from men that, amen, are dead today. You don't know them, but I know them. <laughs> and they're in the flesh of my life still. Thank God they are in a positive way. Amen. Thank God they're positively influencing my life. And I look back and say, thank God I knew them before they passed on. Okay. Chapter 10 of 1 Corinthians. Moreover, brethren, just not about Christians, but I mean, sinners about Christians, I would not let you should be ignorant. Don't be ignorant, please. How that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea. Now, fathers means those that set the, the stage and set the direction for us. Amen. In this church, we want to start good, run well, and finish well. Finish strong and finish weak. And we're all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea. And it all eat the same spiritual meat. And it all drink the same spiritual drink. For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and the rock was Christ. But with many of them, God was not well pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. They didn't finish well. Now, these things were for our example. To the intent, we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. And it goes on and goes on how they... All these towns. And they said in verse 9 and 10, they tempted Jesus and they were destroyed and they murmured and they complained. And the whole list goes on. Come down to verse 13. It's a beautiful reading and it talked to us about Israel past. Israel is alive today. They're not dead, they're all alive today. But these are the children of the past. And we want to learn from them tonight. And and Mike. And my text really is about honoring God based on Malachi 3.10. Go there, please. Malachi 3.10. You say, well, this is disconnected, Pastor. We don't want you to connect. We will connect, I promise you. It says, bringing all the tithe into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house, and prove me now herewith, said the Lord of hosts, if I will not open to you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it, and I will rebuke the devourer for your sake, and he shall not destroy the fruit of your ground, neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the time in the field, to the Lord of hosts, and all nations shall call Israel blessed. For he shall be a delightsome land, said the Lord of hosts. And he receded. It's about honoring God. Honoring God. Now, I'm going to show you the negative and take to the positive. There's no such thing in the Bible called negative. modern day, we call things today negative and positive. But God does not speak that way. 
All right. Here's my chart. I'm going to go to my chart. I want to talk to you. Malachi 3.10 is about honoring God. And we're going to come back to this in just a minute. We want to finish this in a way that you'll remember. By the time I come to the end, I hope your memory will still be fresh so you can learn from what God's trying to teach us. Now, the question that Israel and God had a problem with, uh, God could not please Israel. No matter what he did, Israel was never pleased with God. He still isn't. He's still dissatisfied with him. I have a, a tape I sent for from CBC where a Jew wrote a commentary on tell God take back his Ten Commandments. Back to Mount Sinai, we're not interested in it. Because they feel like God failed them at the Holocaust in Germany. Right, but we're going to look at some things here. Israel never were satisfied with what God does. You just read First Corinthians ten portions of it. Can you folks see that? First Corinthians ten. When you read that chapter, I don't have time to read all. We just read portions of it, where Paul is writing to a New Testament church. And is admonishing or trying to tell you and me, don't follow the nation of Israel. Don't do as they did to Jesus Christ. Actually, they called him Christ, the Messiah. But the name Jesus was not revealed. The Messiah was understood. When you read Psalm 78, it's a powerful scripture. It's a scripture every Christian should read. It's about actually the legacy of Israel. And God is telling the story, react, reenacting what Israel did to him in the wilderness. And the basic tenet of the reading is that in Malachi 3, we see how leadership dishonored God. In Haggai chapter 1, 2, and 3, we read how the fellowship dishonored God. The leaders and the followers dishonored God. Well, it says, like priests, like people. You know, there's no difference. All right? But basically, you're going to notice here, if you read carefully, that they were never satisfied. They were never thankful for anything for long. They're always murmuring, always negative, never act in faith, always discontented, short memory left of what God just did for them. And they were always needing more. And they made God frustrated, upset God. To actually, God says he became their enemy. He says, I become their enemy. He fought against them. He just actually fought against them. And, I mean, the God who created the universe, God frustrated with the people he made. Because they, they were able to, to just frustrate him. And he said, look, man, 
I'm going to give you a wish. They said, wish to, wish to God we die in the wilderness. Here's, here's what they wished. They said, give us water from Egypt to the promised land. Give us water. We want bread. Can God provide a table? We're sick of this, this light bread. We want leeks and garlics. We don't want this manna. That's what they said. All the time they said, we want a captain. We don't want Moses. We want somebody else. In fact, they lead us back to Egypt. Then they said, we need a king like other nations. Or we're tired of this light bread. And God hates us, they said. You're going to read that in all the scriptures. And they said, look, we're better off in Egypt. Would to God we die in the wilderness. And that's the mistake they made. Because God says, fine, you will die. Like you said, in the wilderness. And they all died. That's what they wished. That's what they got. They said, would to God we die in the wilderness. And they died there. And they made a golden calf at the Mount of uh, Sinai. And upset God. And we see they die. And the Bible says, in every tent, Wherever God went, we heard him crying. They were not crying because of whiplashes or, or Egyptians. They were crying. They were sick and tired of the journey. They were tired of what God provided. Now, personally, I believe God knows the kind of food you need to survive for 50 days in a wilderness where no man ever trod. He knows because there's certain food types you eat on a certain journey. You don't take steak and lobsters in the wilderness. It don't work. You got survival food. It's a different kind of food. And God knew the best type for them, but they did not want it. They want leeks and garlic. And believe you me, I don't think they could survive on that. I think they'd die from starvation. But God said they never had to change their garments. They never had to change their shoes. Nothing got aged. But still, they wanted change. They wanted change, but did not need changing. <laughs> they want new everything. And so God got pretty angry at them. Now, the question is, Israel, if you obey God, because God had promises that he would supply all their needs, that he would open the window of heaven to them and send them blessings, God told them that whatever he does, they must be content with it because that's great gain. He made silver and gold and said, hey, you know what? Gold and silver is not to be compared to wisdom. You understand it's Wisdom is better than gold and silver. All right? They were not fatherless or motherless as far as God was concerned. He was their parents. And so God blessed them. Now, the question is, God's saying to Israel, is any of you homeless? Are you deprived of meals? Are you in need? Are you not clothed? Are you neglected? Is there a sort of supply? Are you cursed? And the question was, are you these things? And really the answer was, no. Israel was lacking nothing. Israel had everything given to her. But Israel had a problem with God. To the point where God was frustrated with the nation of Israel. We're going to read some more here. The Levites were the, the ministers. The book of Malachi is a book about the leadership. When you read it, it's really written to the Levites, the priests. 
They were in charge of the people. And their job was to teach Israel the way. Show Israel how to serve God. How to walk with God. But guess what? The priests were finding fault with their service. Give an example. You go back in Eli's day. There's a pot. And the Lord says to the priest, when you go to that pot, I give you a flesh hook. And you pick up something for meal. Whatever comes up, you don't put it back. That is yours. You go home with it. <laughs> you know what they said? Oh, no. We're going to do some sorting here. And they go in the pot and they search around. And they pick out the best and leave the rest for God. And they said, we don't want it cooked the way God says it should be cooked. We're going to cook it the way we want it cooked. Obviously, you know what happened to them. They died. Now, Eli was a good man, a good, a good father. But the problem with Eli was he died because he, he honored his children above God. Because he knew those boys were doing wrong. And the Bible says he just lightly talked to them. Like, boys, you know, that's my good. And it says they would not hearken to their dad. And so, obviously, God going to deal with them. And so, they died, and he died with them. But it's not that Eli was a bad man. Eli just didn't honor God. God said, you honor your son more than me. And God says, I will honor them that honor me and those who don't honor me will be lightly esteemed. That's powerful. I will lightly esteem. Now, Samuel honored God all the way through. And his parents taught him that. And he did honor God. Never let God's word fall to the ground. And so, we see Eli fell and broke his neck simply because he didn't honor God. Now, to condense the story, I want you to look at these scriptures. Here's what the Levites were doing. They were chiding God. They were blaming God in service. In service. Now, everything they did to God and for God, they said, number one, he doesn't love us. <laughs> Malachi 1 verse 2. They said, God don't love us at all. God doesn't like us. Then they blamed God for service. In chapter 3, verse 9 and 10, they said, this is a bore. This is infringing on our lifestyle. Look what it says. In verse 9 and 10, go there please. Malachi 3, verse 9 and 10. God says, you are cursed. Why? Here's why God said they're cursed. Verse 10. Uh, that's not what I want. But basically, they were not honoring him. Uh, but they're saying the service of the Lord is contemptible. Not, that's not the verse I want. Okay, verse 9. Let's read verse 9 again. I get all of verse 9. Was there some missing there? 
Okay, verse 9. Jeremiah, verse 9. No, that's not what I wanted. Okay. But what you'll find it when you read the scripture, they're, they're blaming God that his table is contemptible. Let's try chapter 1 and verse 6. All right? What do they say there? It says that you despise my name, and you say, wherein have we despised your name? Verse 7. Chapter 1, verse 7. Then they offer polluted bread upon his altar, and they said, this is the part I'm going to look at, the Lord's table is contemptible. You know what contempt of court means? When you act out of what? Disrespect. They disrespect what God is doing in their life. So they dishonor God, right? They give God the, the blind and the haughty, verse 6. It said, what you offer to me, I call the doggy bag. You know what to eat, and when you finish, you don't want it. You just hand over to your dog. They left that for God, the leftovers. After they eat and they're satisfied, they give God what's left. So God is not being honored first in their life. And then in, in verse 9 and 10, they said, what profit is it that we, chapter 1, what profit is it that we serve God? We can't see no benefit. In what we're doing, verse verse ten. All right, it says, "I'm doing this all in vain. It's not paying off at all. I'm not getting any pay for what I'm doing. <laughs> I'm wasting my time." So we have no pleasure in doing what God asks us to do. We're wasting our time. There, there, there's no pleasure in doing it. So, to them, servicing to God is unprofitable. Then they blame their service to God, on God, verse 12, look at this, in verse 12, and the whole chapter is the way Israel is talking about ministering to God. The ministry that God gave them, they're not happy with it. They're dishonoring God. They're against God. And God said, I heard it. I seen it. I feel it. Obviously, there's another flip side to that story. Then there are those who speak often one to another and worship God and glorify God for what God means to them. And God said, they're mine. They're my jewel. When the day of, and notice your church, these are the people that were given the responsibility of preparing for the first coming. Now, you and I are prepared for the second coming. We're given that responsibility. But they were called to prepare for the first coming of the Lord. And instead of being joyful in service and thankful and being committed to it, they're saying, oh, no, you don't love us. He's the reason why we can't get along with our family. Is our problem. And, you know, give God what's left over. God, this is mine, this is mine. And God, if anything left, that's yours. Fine. You know, you've got leftover of my life. Right? And say it's unprofitable to spend time in the things of God. In other words, I don't see no benefit working at the altar. I don't see no benefit as a priest. I don't see no benefit at all. And so I'm going to tell God, tough. Really? And they blame service for their misfortune. All right? And they said, verse 13, we're just basically burnt out. This is boring, <laughs> meticulous drug drink. Verse 13. 
They said, it's, it's wearisome. And they snuffed at God. And they bring that which was torn, lame, sick, left over. So God, take it or I'll leave it. That's all I'm going to give you. And the rest is mine. When you bring it all together, right, you're seeing a people where God is not priority and God is their problem. Not a blessing. God is in their way. The Bible says here to offer the least to God. What's left of them, they give to God. In chapter 3 and verse 13 to 15, they blame God for all their problems. And they call the proud happy. Chapter 3 verse 17. And God said, you know what? That's the priest's problem. That's the leadership. Now, if the leadership does that, you just got to respond. You're cursed. Verse 9. You're cursed. Now, what's a curse? If God withdraw his blessing from you, if God withdraw like the sun from the world, it's God for three hours, and the earth shook. You know, they killed the creator, so to speak, as if they killed God. But you can't kill God. But the man who, who was God and man, they killed him in the world. And so God said, you're cursed. Well, how do you know when you're cursed? It means you're just not enjoying the blessing that those that he called his jewels are enjoying. Now, the people also have problems with God. They also chide God. That makes sense to me. If the leadership is robbing God, the people will too. I mean, if the prime minister of Canada is a God-hater, the chances are, Canadians will be God-haters too. I mean, if they don't fear God, the people won't fear God either. This makes sense to me, right? If they make turns, the body feels it. Look at this here. The people, the whole book of Haggai, go there. Haggai, I, I love that book because, you see, Haggai and Malachi are almost contemporaries. And they're given the job to prepare the world for the first coming of the Messiah. So if they don't fulfill their responsibility for the time they're living in, he won't find a temple when he comes. There won't be a sacrifice system in place. And they're given that wonderful task of preparing the world for the coming of Messiah. Because these are captives after Babylon captivity. And they are the remnant that's left from Babylon uh, overthrowing the country itself and destroying their temple. And they're given the job to rebuild the temple, rebuild the worship, rebuild everything. And God spared them for that purpose. Look at this. Haggai. The basic question in Haggai chapter 1 is, whose house are you busy Yours or mine. The priest is saying there is no benefit in the ministry. None. It's just a wearisome, worrisome task that's unprofitable. We don't have time or 
gifts for it. But if we have anything left over, we'll give it to God. But really, if we find it contemptible, and you should read the book, because Malachi speaks about two coming, the first coming and the second coming. Amen. That's where the book ends. The book ends, the last chapter, with the first coming. The Lord whom we seek will suddenly come, and the end of it is he will come the second time. And between that is a controversy he has with, his, with these priesthood, with leadership. Now, obviously they robbed God of tithing. The priests stopped paying tithing. The priest has got to pay tithe just like the people have to. Because Levites pay tithe to the high priest. The people pay tithe to the priest. And the priest paid tithe to the high priest. He said, who does the high priest pay to him? Well, pay to Buck stops there. Go right to God's house. <laughs> right? Now, the question is, whose house are you building? In chapter 1 and verse 2, I'm paraphrasing it here for you to look at. Because I don't have to read all the scriptures. But I know you will because you're students of the word of God. You just spend time for yourself and discovering for yourself what it's all mean, Right? Who's house are you building? They said, we don't have time for God. We don't have time for his house. You know, that's what they're saying. And so they said, this is not the time in my schedule to spend time on the things of God or the house of God. You know, the tribe of, the tribe of Ephraim, they're it's a, a mysterious tribe. Ephraim never go to battle for God. Never. But as soon as somebody's going to battle for God and come back with a victory, Ephraim showed up in a mighty army. You went to battle without me. You didn't invite me to the battle. It's not true. <laughs> they always come after the war is over. And the last person they did that to was the Gideon. And they got whipped. They got whipped because they couldn't say what? Sibboleth, or it's a sibboleth, it's the same sibboleth, and so they, they, they got beaten up real bad, but God fixed them. Now, so what, what I'm saying here is, these people are saying, we are too busy, we don't have time for the house of God, and our time is our time, not God's time, verse 2, it says, not time to build the house, we're not interested in it, leave it alone, don't worry about it, but it's not true. If that house is not built, then Jesus will not have a house to come to. To be blessed as a child by Anna. Amen. And to be at age 12 at the temple at. And that's the temple they're supposed to build. And they're finding fault that says, we don't have time for it. Sorry, bye. We're going to build our own house. We got the time for God. Verse 4. And God saw it. <laughs> and and, well, the priest didn't matter either. The priest didn't care either because the priest was as bad as they were. The priest went along with them, you know. They all been in the house of God. I mean, the rats and the, and the bats are taking over. And God said, just a minute, my house, my house is left waste. And you run to your house and my house is, is deserted, wasted. Verse 8. You abandon my house? Instead of you building my house, you left it to decay and rot? 
And so, God said, what you're doing is wrong. You are involved in a way of life that's going to cost you problems. Now, the question is, you know, God didn't come down there and kick him in the shank. I said, come on, go build my house. He knows how to get back on the priest and on the people. Now, he cursed the priest, and anything they blessed, he cursed it. They bless you, and God said, just a bit, I will honor it. Because he's cursed, and he can't bless it because he's cursed. So anything he blessed, God reverses it. And so the people saw that, that they're being going through a hard time. But the same thing happened to the people. Because God responded to the way they were treating God. And God said, all right, good. Verse 6, chapter 1, go there. Now, folks, this is interesting. He said, Israel, here's your problem. You've sown so much, and you're bringing so little. You eat, but you don't have enough. You drink, but you're not filled with drink. You're clothed, but you're still cold. You earn wages, and I make sure there's a hole in the bag. God said, I'm sabotaging everything you do. Everything you've done, I'm making sure it don't work. I'm just bankrupting your system. In other words, I'm leaving you expectation on net. Fulfillment never realized. I'll leave you with holes in your life. Financially, socially, relationally, wages-wise, and savings. I'm messing it up. Why, God said, why do you think I'm doing this? I'm trying to get your attention. That you're not treating me right. Verse 9. He said. In verse 9. You look for much Israel. And lo I turn into little. It was the reverse. Little become much. And when you brought it home. And ran to share with the family. I went. I'm the one doing it. To the Lord of hosts. The word host means I'm a God of millions. But I'm paying attention to you, little nerds down there. <laughs> I'm giving you attention. That's why angel says, What is man that you're mindful of those little people? I got hosts that honor me. Well, you're dishonoring me, right? He said, He said, Because my house is waste. You reject my house and leave it empty and void, and I won't bless your house. You don't give me my house, and I won't give you your house. You neglect my house, I neglect your house. God said, tit for tat. Wow. Because of my house is waste, and every man run to his own house and leave mine. I see that, and I'm not pleased. I'm upset. I'm going to retaliate. Amazing. Israel is wondering why she's not prospering. Verse 10. God said, have you stopped and thought why the blessings is not flowing like my worship should? He said, because of what you're doing to me, the heavens over you is 
getting a tough story done. I'm going to be cleaning some teeth. I withhold the fruit of my blessing. And all because of the ways they're treating the things of God. Think about it. And then it says in verse 11, Shall withhold the blessing from you? Verse 11 says, Here's why you're not prospering. He said, I, God, call for a drought upon the land. Don't blame the land. All the fertilizers won't help. I call for the drought. I, upon the mountain, upon the corn, upon the new wine, upon the oil, upon all that wishes to bring all the blessing, I stop it all. I just cut it right down. Amen. And the cattle are dropping dead, etc., etc. And your labor of your hands is not prospering. It says your wage is just not there. And all he asks them to do is please stop. Consider how you're treating me. You know, here today on the news, the world system is collapsing. And it will collapse. There's no question about it. The Bible says it would. We're just going to win. And these guys have the latest gadgets in the world. Smart men, smart machines, smart tools, smart calculators, a faster speed of light, and still they're going to bankrupt. Could it be they're experiencing all these? Is it possible? Well, my study shows Paul's trying to teach me something about Israel that the priesthood, the leadership, dishonor God. You know, there are local churches that are not prospering. One that's Jesus' name churches, not prospering. They are not prospering. They got the right message, the right baptism, the right Godhead, right everything. Well, they're not. There's something, in, there's something involved in that. Missionaries not blessed. But in this case, we're told in chapter 3 and verse 8 to 9, the priesthood of Israel, they're involved in robbing God on different levels. Will a man rob God? Yes. How? Well, he don't think he is, but God said he is. <laughs> All right? And the priest and Israel offer the worst to God. It's in Malachi chapter 3, 9. Right? And then we see in Haggai right here. And also in Malachi, the same thing. They offer the worst to God. In other words, they give God the leftovers of their life. The leftover of their flock. Now, God taught Israel, you know, we ain't going to the field. Don't, don't you sort things. Get Just give me one, two, three. Give me that tenth one. Don't you mess with it. Just give it to me. Don't you stop and think. Just give it. It's mine. They don't do that. They sort through it. Then they say, that's God, God and that's what it means. And God said, I see what you're doing. Now, so God said, they're cursed. 
Haggai said they're cursed, and also Malachi said they're cursed. The people are cursed, and the leadership is cursed. That's amazing. Now, if I was to apply that to me, I would say, okay, Paul says that's written for my learning and for my admonition. So I, I, if I want to, I can take lessons from this if I want to. If I don't want to, I can live my life and just keep being blessed or being cursed, 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 and die cursed. Or being blessed, 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 blessed. It's taking blessed. All right? Now, we're going to come back to how God treats others differently. When I look at the Scripture, I'm right to dividing the Word of God. One of the reasons why I want you guys to read this book, I wish this church became a, a church of champions. You know, everybody used to be called a city of champions. because They, they stopped being champions. I mean, they're, they're losers now. <laughs> they should change the title. No huh? longer <laughs> champions anymore. <laughs> they used to be living in their past and future is not like they used to be. But you know what? What if God should ever situate you and me in a position of leadership or of guardianship or stewardship? I need some role model to look to. I need some landmarks to follow. I sure want to Start good and finish well and finish strong. It's not weak. I want to run the race and continue and do it God's way. Now, it's really for our learning and admonition how not to dishonor God like the priest did, how not to dishonor God like the people did, because this the priest represented leadership. The leadership robbed God in tithe and offering. Could it be that some pastors don't pay tithe and offering? First of all, this one does. So who you pay it to yourself? Absolutely not. All right? So the leadership, when they when they honor God with tithe and offering, they're blessed. When they don't, they're cursed. Malachi 1, 14, chapter 2 and verse 2, and chapter 3 and verse 9 tells you they're paying their curse if they dishonor God in those areas. Now, that simple thing as tithe, <laughs> I don't mean T-I-D-E. But T-I-T-H-E-S, tithes. That's a very simple word. All right? Then the people, they dishonor God, and God cursed them too. Again, 1 Peter 6. And on so many levels, in chapter 1, verse 9 to 11, God cursed them. And when they honor God, God blessed them. Amen. God says, here's the blessing I'm going to give you if you do it my way. In other words, I'll reverse the situation. And so have here some lessons God wants to teach us. Now, when we look at what God said, Israel were business people. Naboth was a business person. The man that said, my 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 crop brought for it a hundredfold or whatever. I got no place to put my, my, my meal and such like. And God said, this guy's a fool because this guy left God out of his calculation, and he died that day, and he couldn't take nothing with him. God took it all from him. I'm not sure who got it. The rich children have the same problem. Now, we we try to teach people this, and here's my simple example here. You got nine, you got ten oranges. One, two, three, four, five, ten oranges, and the tenth one belongs to God. 
in reality, not the tenth one belongs to God. It's the first one that belongs to God. Okay, count backwards. Ten, nine, six, one. The first one is God. Amen. Now, people have a problem with that. You know what people do? Here's what people do. People do this. They take away of that ten. They, they take out one, two, three, four, four. And they call that four their salary. And they pay time on their salary, which means they give God one out of four. I mean, see that. But it's, it's not right. It's a smart move that doesn't capture, capture God in any way and mess up his mind because you understand what they're doing. Now, I'm going to show you that when God blesses Israel, he blesses our entire inheritance. God don't just bless the cornfield. God bless the entire heritage. When God blessed Abraham, it filtered right down to Malachi. I mean to the Levite. Okay? Look at this here. When God blessed Abraham, how far did the blessing go? How far did it go? It was Abraham's entire heritage was blessed. Nobody in, in Abraham's family was cursed. Nobody. Not even Israel. Not even Keturah. It blessed the entire. But Abraham is the guy who taught us to give God tithe and offering. When he met, met Melchizedek. We will come back to this in just a minute here. I want to show you what God says should happen. Now, we're going to go into some real deep theology here and show you some stuff that I think should happen. If you go in your Bible, Malachi chapter 3 and verse 10, go there. And we're going to go through some, point some things out to you that I'm sure of the Bible. God has a blessing ready for Israel as long as he's faithful in honoring him in what he asked for. And he said she must honor him in tithe and offering. It's all throughout the scripture. Now, some folks said Abraham didn't have laws in his life. Not true. Abraham obeyed God's commandments and his laws and his precepts. And so we're children of Abraham. And then God challenged Israel and said, Now, if you do your part, I will do my part. God said, your part is to prove me, God said. He said, your part is to obey me, God said. God said, your part is to bring all that I ask of the first of your increase. And God said, honor me first. And then prove me if I will. And then he goes on. Bunch of will. I will. I will. Now, you search your Bible with your electronic Bible. How many times God told Israel to prove him? Only one time. This is the time God says, prove me. God invite Israel to challenge him to see if he will not. Because God said, look, bring all the tithe into the storehouse that there may be meat in my house. This says, prove me herewith. In other words, 
Test me in this matter. He said, I want you to try me. Test me. What he's saying to Israel, obey me, put me to the test. Go ahead and prove me. Test me now in this. Check me out. Doctor, check me out. This is what usually happens. People usually have situations in their lives that make them feel like doing this to God is unreasonable. See, one reason for God to ask Abraham to offer his only son. It seemed unreasonable for God to ask the widow to give her only last barrel of meal. That's the only way God can save her. That's the only way God can bless Abraham. He's got to first give up Isaac. Now, he has no idea what God's going to do in the end. He has to prove God. Okay, so God's part is, prove me now herewith, if I will not. He says, test me or prove me. See, if I will not open unto you the windows of heaven, my Lord, I'll open the floodgates of heaven. I will pour you out a blessing. I'll pour you out so much increase in blessing that there will not be enough room in your house, in your home, in your garage, enough to receive it. There will not be room anywhere where you live to store what I will give you. And I promise that I will rebuke the devourer for your sake and not to destroy you. Think about it. And all nations, everybody who knows you, are going to see the blessing of God upon you from your head to your toe. And all nations will call you blessed, Israel. Why? Because I have poured out of my blessing till it's an overflow. That not even your storehouse, you can't store all of it. You can't even outlive it. It's going to outlive you. So you have to add it to your kids' inheritance. Because what I'm going to give to you in response to your abuse to me, you won't have room enough to receive it or to contain it. And I'm asking you to prove me. Honor me first with all your wealth and your increase that I gave to you because I'm going to give it to you. And I want it back from you. I want you to keep ten, nine out of it, and I take one. And don't you grudge my one. And when you give me my one, I'll open the floodgates of heaven. I will send you down blessing in the season. And pour you out a blessing. I will bless you beyond measure. Number one, I'll pour you down blessing until there is no more need in your life. <laughs> you can't beat that. Oh, the blessing of obedience. That's your part, God. He said, God said, my part is to send you out from here blessed with an overflow. He said, I'm asking you to prove me. No, you do what I say and see what I'll do. I'll pour you out so much blessing that there shall not be room in your home big enough to receive what I'm going to give to you. I'll pour you out a blessing until there's no room for all. You just can't dig it. It's like the oil, you know. I keep pouring the oil. Oh, and pretty soon you run out of vessel. Well, 
there's no lack of oil, you still have the vessel to receive it. There shall not be space anywhere left in your place of abode even to receive it when I begin to pour it out. Well, there's a guy who told the king that Ahab that, hey, look, if God opened the windows of heaven, maybe this happened. God said, okay, you will see it, but you will not have to receive it because I'm going to make sure you don't touch it. And he died. But it did happen. In Samaria, it did happen. I'll pour you the blessing even in superabundance. I'll pour you so much blessing till there be no place for it. There shall be no room enough to receive it. Yes, I have emptied on you a blessing till there is no space. You're in for a superabundance, a supply of increase and plenty. Now, you can laugh and mock if you want to, but God said, prove me. God is calling you to check him out. God saying, obey me and put me to the test. Go ahead and prove my words, see if I'm lying. See if you can profit from the preaching. Or question me if you want to and do without, because he that doubts shall do without. Or he that believe receive. Right? God says, see if I won't. Test me in this. Prove me. See if I won't open up the windows of heaven and pour you out a floodgate of blessing out of my blessing house. God said, check me out in this. Yet Israel would rather choose to murmur and sit there and complain and gripe and chide. God don't love me. God don't care. God don't. And God said, what do you mean? Try me. See if I'll do it. See if I want to open up the window, pull up the gate, and dump it on like I did the flood of Noah's day. He said, you couldn't even keep what I promised to give. You don't even have a house big enough to hold what I want to give. You see, God's promises is conditioned on my obedience, Israel. Did you do your part? Did you honor me first? Because when you do, I will give you the overflow. Caution. I'm holding back, and I've kept back. I said a drought because you hold back and you kept back. I honor those who honor me. Those who dishonor me are lightly esteemed, and you're not on my priority list. Oh God, well, I just won't serve you. Too bad I got a host. I got people that speak well of me. I got people who honors me. I got 7,000 that keep bowing to me alone. You just won't have what they have. You see, God is not just going to give you sufficiency in his promise. He'll give you superabundance. Hallelujah. Why do some Israelites are dragging straddlers and others are just going You see, after you bring your tithing, 
I will throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour you so much of my blessing that you will not have room for it. Can you imagine? You can't hide it. <laughs> oh, so, oh, God, I don't think it's possible. God, oh, with men, that's impossible. But with God, all things are possible. God said to, to, Israel, to Abraham, come on, sir, quit laughing at me. Is there anything too hard for me to do? I told the next year about this time, I'm going to do this. What's wrong with you, girl? Next year, she got pregnant. Tomorrow, this time, I'm going to send you the, uh, the kind of blessing on the, on the nation of Samaria. And the guy mocked him and said, well, tomorrow you'll see if I'm lying or not. Test me in this and see if I don't open up heaven itself to you and pour you out blessing beyond your wildest dream, beyond your wildest imagination, huh? <laughs> that you won't even have enough room to receive or contain. He said, I'm asking you to put me to the test. God said, the problem is not me. I don't have a problem. I'm God. You're just a man. The problem is you. I told you, prove me, God said. Obey me, God said. Bring it all, God said. Let me be first and foremost, not second place. And when I'm first, you'll be first. When you honor me, I'll honor you. And I'll rebuke the devourer. That means I will keep the creditor off your list. I'll give you a good credit score. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. I'll open my treasure chest. You'll lend and not borrow. You'll be the head and not the tail. You know, ain't that shouting? Because you don't believe it. That's your problem. Others who do believe it. You see? Can a man visit God's altar and it be without a return? Amen. God is calling Israel to test him. Amen. Tithing is where Israel is fed and blessed. All nations. Now, I'm guessing, folks, my pastor, way back to home, to modern day living there. When I went to church, my pastor used to say this to us. Now, if you work for Zellers, don't expect Simpson Sears to pay you. You live for self, then you live in vain. You live for Christ, you live to gain. Now, if. You can't go to the Pentecostal church and say you're tied to the Baptist church. And your pastor can't be in Canada, McMurray, and you send your tithing to Jerusalem. Because whoever received is a thief and you a robber also. One person asked, your pastor one time, should I send you my tithing? He said, no. If you do that, you're asking me, to lack integrity, and number two, you're stealing. Israel, Israel honored themselves, but never honored God. And you know, sometimes God accommodates us. You know, he's not supposed to bless, but he's still blessed. 
I mean, Moses not supposed to strike that rock, but he did. Yet water came. But he crossed him down the road. He didn't get in the promised land. God said, you're not going in. You didn't obey my voice. I told you not to do that. But oh, God, but the, but the people. God said, I told you not to do that. By the way, don't talk to me anymore about it. You're not going in. And the worst part was, he said, okay, God, I forget. I'd rather not to see it at all. <laughs> That's even worse pain. <laughs> you see, folks, tithing is not a choice. It's a command. It is about putting God first, no matter what your financial creditor is saying. God is first. Unconditionally first. Situation is irrelevant. Your financial situation is irrelevant. God is first. God is always number one. That's why we don't believe in Trinity. Because there is no second person or third person with God. It's putting God to the test. And putting your obedience to scrutiny and the test. Putting faith to the test. You know, in chapter 3 and 4 of the book of Hebrews, it ends between chapter 3 of Hebrews and begins with chapter 4. It says the people that hear the preaching did not profit. I would dare say 9.999% of people I preach, including you guys, do not profit one bit from everything I preach. I said most of you are like orphans. You, you live way below what I preach. You never attain to what I preach. You hear me, but you never you never receive what God has. You know why? You just don't believe it. Oh, you you're polite. You 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 you, you bow. You accept. You know you, you show respect. You still, but you just don't receive it. Amen. But so the word preached didn't profit them. Not mixed with faith. Make me a cake first. You don't understand. This is the last cake I have in the bear. I didn't ask you your problem. I gave you a command. Make me a cake first. But my son, I didn't ask you about your kids. I said, first. I got to pay my bills. I got to pay my rent. For my car, my student loan. That's your problem. I didn't ask your problem. I said, give to God that which is God. You can't tell Caesar what you're telling God. You can't tell the tax man what you're telling God. Lord, I lost you now. I said, you can't tell the tax man what you're telling God. He will still lock you up. Know that he will sell you and sell your house, do your car. Until you pay. So your fear is of man more than the fear of God. God can take your life out. God can put you in jail, but God can put you in hell. This is the only time in the Bible we're told to prove God as if he's alive. 
test God. Tithe is a challenge to our stewardship in obedience. Offering is testing your generosity and your honesty about how much God prospered you. That's left to your discretion. But what is not? Uh, that you're going to be in church? Ain't and saint. <laughs> they're both welcome. <laughs> but they both don't eat from the same plate. Amen. God said, if I am God, where's my honor? He says, the dumb donkey, honor is master. So what do you give to me? You couldn't give to your governor because he wouldn't take it. Why do you offer me that which you, your governor wouldn't take? Why do you do that to me? And the son honors his father. God says, why do you do this to me? So the question is, Pastor Neil, without leading me now, it's up to you. If you want, now that all wreck you've always been driving, that's okay. If you want to have flat tire days of your life, that's fine. If you want to have anything that blows out on you, that's okay. <laughs> if you love to pay all those stores to fix your, fix your house because the, the sink got blown off, that's all right. Amen. But if you want to, amen, to have enough to lend and not borrow, let's obey God. Let's obey God. Now, the question is, the question is, who in this building believe this story? Now, we, we had the men's dinner. The men's dinner, if you were there, I was trying to remind Brother brother uh, Preacher to tell the congregation there, because I was sitting with a bunch of people that don't believe what I'm preaching right here. It's in the ministry and it's in the pew. Small nine Pentecostals who try to reduce God to their size. And God said, I'm not like you. God says, I taught Abraham how to profit. He did. Amen. And this preacher said, this guy, either in this church or somewhere, said, me with an increase in wage. He just said that. God, I've heard from you so long. I've paid my tithe all these times, and I'm still poor. I'm still hungry. I'm still naked. He could have said all that. That's not what he said. No, he did. He said, God, I'm going to pay you tithing based on the wage I hope to receive shortly. example. So let's say he was getting, let's say he was paying, he was getting, say, 5000 right? And he's paying, he's paying that much, one-tenth. He said, God, I'm going to pay you now 1500 I want a kind of wage. He said he did it. He's paying God what he anticipates 
He chose not to chide God. Hallelujah. He chose to trust God. And say, God, this is what I'm getting. This is what I want. And I'm not going to wait till you give me that kind of money. I'm going to pay you what I expect for ways to come. Not knowing when God is going to respond to it. And the, the pastor told us a story in the men conference that one day the boss came and says, Sir, I want to talk to you. Come to my office. I said, well, what's up? He said, well, look, I, uh, I've been watching you. And I've been noticing your work. And this is a large, large cooperation. You can, you can have any job you want in this business except my seat. You cannot have my job. But you can ask for any place you want in this business. It's going to be yours. And so he told the boss what he wants, the job he wanted. And the boss says, here is how much you're going to make. Hello. Exactly what he told God. And then he he's excited. He's excited. And he, he thought, that's all there is. You know, God gave it all to me. And so he's rejoicing. The boss came to him by the year and said, look, I got a bonus for you. What? I think it's $68,000 he gave him. Bonus. On top of the raise. Now, what most people have done is, God, I find hard to pay this amount. I'm going to pay you $50. Hello? Hello? Somebody goes as far as pay only $5. And then some are really crude, $0. Some even give God a balanced check. That is rude. I didn't know you'd go to jail for giving a bank or business a bounce check. They literally can arrest you for that. Can you imagine you giving God a bounce check? And you know it's of no value. And you deliberately write him a bounce check. Think about it. And then you got those. My pastor told a story about a man with a business. With a business. He said, God, I got a business. I got, I'm going to start a business, God. I'm going to give you 10% what you give me in a growth from my gross. God blessed him. He said, God, you blessed me so much, I'm going to give you 20% of the increase in business. I'm, I'm blessed so much, I'm going to give you 20%. And, and so God would keep on blessing him. He said, God, you know what, God, I'm going to double and give you 40%. I can hear you saying, lie. That's your problem. 
pastor's telling us a story, and I'm listening to him. I get 40%. So, oh, God, I tell you what, God, we're going to spend part of them, 50% each. He's just, he's, just, he's just overwhelmed by the increase in the abundance of supply of business that God is blessing him with. I said, God, I tell you what, God, I'm going to turn up to 70%. It's yours. That 30 is mine. And finally he said, God, I tell you what, I'm going to give you 100%, and the rest is mine, whatever's left. And that's what he did. Now, how many saints can do this? I'm going to tell you a secret about God. God told me about the church. If God wants you to go to heaven, he knows he cannot bless you the way he wants to. You will not make it because of your love for money. It supersedes your love for him and his own inviting competition. Hezekiah made a mistake. Hezekiah was sick. The Bible says he was sick unto death. And the Babylonian heard, they heard that he was dying. And a miracle happened, and he got healed. And so they were glad because God gave peace in his day. And they come to visit him and says, we heard that you were sick, but now you're up and alive and doing well. What's going on here? You know what he says? Oh, God healed me. God gave me 15 more years. That's not what he said. You know what he did? He said, come, let me show you my palace. That's not what he came. So he took it and so his palace and so his royal robe and so his, his treasure and so his, all the things that David built up and all that stuff. Wine and dine and set him away and gloating over what God gave him. Hello. When he left, the prophet walked in. Hey, who are those guys? I said, well, I said, who are those guys were? Who are those guys? Said, oh, they heard I was sick and I got healed. Said, oh, I see. And uh, what's next? What did you do? You tell them God healed you? Oh, no. You tell them about God? Oh, no. What did you You're showing off your, your glory and your honor. So now, all right. Here's the word of the Lord. You didn't honor God. Yourself, you gloat over your own house and your, your riches and your, and your treasures, but you forgot who God gave it to you. Now, what's going to happen? These same men are going to come back later on and take everything out of this house that you showed them, and even take your kids and make slaves out of them because you showed them a reason to come back. I could tell you how many people in this city have left this church after they fall in this realm here. You'd be surprised. Since I've been here, I have seen them by the hundreds. I've seen them receive trades. And this church never benefited a dime out of them. 
I've seen them get contracts where it became too much to pay tithes to a simple church in the wilderness. I've seen them got wages and elevation so high that they could not honor God anymore. They couldn't even show up in church anymore. I know one guy, my wife knows him quite well, and the church I used to go to, he used to come and brag against us. He, he got graduated, and he, he, he overcome all the obstacles of life that used to bother him. And God helped him, and he graduated. And now he came back finding fault with the way we worship, the way we dress. He said, I've got Jewish friends, and I've got this kind of friend. And he's bragging. And I go to this part of the world for weekends and come back to church. The story was when it's all done, he was almost in jail. All his friends left him. All the riches left him. And I thought, boy, you better be careful what you say. You know where you came from. You know what God did for you. You know how God brought you out. And what you have came from God. Your friends don't know that. But now you're too high for your britches. You're dishonoring God. I mean, church, today, eat a humble of the pie. Another one, this dentist had this business and he couldn't make it. He said, Pastor, oh, Pastor. He said, I'm bringing it home here. I'm bringing it home to you now. He said, Pastor, oh, Pastor. I can't make it. No business. No con- you know, nobody, no client. The old preacher prayed for him and prayed God. I mean, crying over him. And God gave him this desire of his heart. And, and sometimes God gives you on credit. Do we have the character to follow through? God gave him what he desired. Business start growing. And his tithing start increases. The zeros keep adding up. <laughs> God keep adding zeros to him and zeros to his money. I mean, amen. He brought me from a hundred dollars to a thousand, from ten thousand to a hundred thousand, and keep going up. And it's a boy. And when the time kind of put in the place, says, This is too much to give to the church. And he start missing church. He start dropping out of church. Pretty soon we don't see him. He's gone. And now in the six-figure realm, that's too much to give. A hundred thousand to church? I did all the work. Don't you? One guy said to me, "Don't you?" I went to space. I was witnessing to this guy. He was, in, he was in real crisis. And, and I mean, the whole thing that fall apart is whole home. I said, listen to me. Obey me. Do what I say. Don't do anything different. I says, he said, they will never employ me. They will never do this. I've tried to fail. I said, look. My first time to meet him, I said, I want to meet the God I know. I said, do this. I can tell you. So every morning, get up. Me and the wife be at this bed. And you be right out here. And take out what I told you to, to tell him. And you tell him exactly that. And I said, now, I want you to write this application. He said, I've done a certain time for it. doesn't work. I said, now, do not question me. Just do that. Send him to the company. And they brought him in. Would you believe? He had an instant holiday. Instant. They took what he has and made him a supervisor immediately. Can you believe that? 
And I said, now, all right, <laughs> it's time to serve God. You going to live for God now? You said to me, do you think I deserve this? Do you think I, and he gives all the reasons why. And he went in the wrong church in town and baptized. People that did not know him, that didn't pray with him, and talk with God for him. To a God he never known. But they would let him do what he wants to do. Oh, he flattered me. Oh, boy. You know the word of God. Man, you know the scripture, da, da, da. I thought, it's not about me. It's about your soul. And, you know, he went on for three or four years like that. Finally, the action fell. God said, you don't honor me, I won't honor you. He lost his wife, lost the job, lost the business, lost everything. Then he calls me. Oh, what do you want me for? Go back and serve the one you served before. You don't need me. Go to the place where you gave all that to. They don't want it. They dumped him. Oh, save him to the dentist, man. You know, all right, I see you skipping church and missing church. What's going on? So, to tell you the truth, you know, I just can't be. It's not God. Just too much. He said, okay, 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 I understand, son. But let's go to the same place where we prayed and ask God to open that door for you. Do you need right here? I'm going to pray for you. So I start praying. Oh, God. When we're in distress, we came to you, and you helped us. And you took away all the concerns. And now, Lord, you blessed this man so much. So it's so hard for him to pay his tithe on his business. Now, God, would you please take him back to where you first met him? Take away all that blessing you gave him. So, oh, Pastor, don't do that! No, 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 no. So what's wrong? Don't pray that kind of prayer. He said, but son, I want you to live for God. I don't want you to be so blessed that you can't handle God anymore. Let's stay. Test me. Prove me. Test me. Prove me. See if I don't open the windows of heaven for you, the gates of heaven. Can I tell you some real stories? I can tell you some to blow you off your feet. I've been in Uncle City. I've seen them all. I've seen millions. I've seen, I mean, God opened the for millions. I've seen God do a tremendous thing. Hallelujah. And then I've learned you can't judge God based on the condition of saints. They can mislead you. I've seen guys that used to dress like I do out in the street in rags. And you would never know there was a day when they were like this. Sin brought them so low. And many died this way, the same way. One guy told his pastor, and I won't tell you which pastor, because you don't know what I'm talking about. He said to the pastor, if God sent you here, let him take care of you. And when he said that, all his cows started dropping dead. Dang, dang, dang. 
lasting effort to him. A false prophet came by and lied to him. They sell everything he had and stole every dime from him. Hallelujah. Can you close your eyes? Right here. The devil will tell you that God wants your money. God don't need your money. I told my boss that I'm in the job. I said, God don't need your money. God don't want your small change. He owns the whole world. Because he strips the money in the air and says, if there's a God, let God take it. No. God don't need it. God wants to prove you before you can go in the new world. Because in the new world, there's streets of gold and walls of jasper. And the last thing God wants you to do is go in there and start mining what he puts there. He said, lovest thou me more than these. If you've got something in your life tonight that means more to you than God, I'm, I'm recommending you right now get rid of it. I don't care if it's money or pride or a suck. Get rid of it. Because nothing can be compared to him. Nothing. Nothing descend in the grave with you. God, I've never one time, and I asked my wife today before I preached this to you, I said, honey, I've been married to you since 1975. I've been married to you. Have you ever heard me one time said, Coming to church was too much. Have you ever heard me blame any problem in my life because of service to God? Have I ever said to you because of going to church, I don't have a good family life? Have you ever heard me say that? Have you ever heard me said God has not given me the wage I need and the wage I deserve or the house I need? Have I ever said that to you? Have I ever said to you if I ever drove you to go find a job? So we can have more money. Have I ever done that? No, I've never done it. Never done it. You know what? I learned life does not consist of abundance of things. I never one time cursed the car God gave me. I never cursed the job God put me in. I hear saints in this church all the time curse their job, curse their, curse their boss, curse whatever. I've never done it. Never cursed my situation. Never have. Hallelujah. In fact, God told me to submit. Learn submission. God told me that. Learn it. Today, I had a situation in my life. I had to work on it. And my experience with a terrible boss was used today. I told my wife, he taught me this. Trying to hurt me, he taught me this. And I'm going to apply it because I need to do it right now. I've never said to my wife, go work so we can have enough money to get what I want. No. In fact, I stop her from going to work. That's not for everybody. But I tell you, you're not going to work. When I come home from work, you're going to go over and leave the knock doors. And you will not use your job to be a reason they can't go. I wonder how many can pastor the church that I pastor now on the conditions I came in and survived. I wonder how many could. Honestly, I wonder how many could survive. You see, if God is calling you to work for him, you have to learn to be content where you are right now. 
what you have. I don't care if you live in a tent, a castle, or a cave. You should walk down this aisle right now and go in that room and thank God. Because God gave me a formula to tell you right now tonight. He said, if you ever want him to do something for you, go in the room and find the place where God is something for you. And rather complain about what you don't have, start thanking him for what he did last week. Spend time talking. And he who knows the future will bless you because of your past. I wonder who's God talking to tonight. Hallelujah. If all God gave you is just manna, can you be content with that? And not say, God, I told, I told a sister one time, don't you ever tell me that God interfered with your child bearing and child kid, your child parenting. Never, don't you ever say that. If you do it, it'll be a, it'll be a curse to you. Because God didn't give you that kid to be a curse to you. Amen. That child was never a curse to you. It's a blessing to you. It doesn't interfere with God. And Anna says, I gave this child to God, and God gave her seven more. Great news. Who's God talking to tonight? Your job is not an interference to work for God. If that's the case, then God misplaced you. Amen. Your situation is not a reason why you should, you should abandon God. The priest wouldn't show up at the altar. They wouldn't serve God. They wouldn't take care of their duties because they figured it was a chore and they neglected. My wife and I, and I started talking about myself. We never had a holiday when I was in Edmonton once in our life. Never had one because we don't have time because church needed us so bad. And the pastor never told me to do it. I just did it. And today I'm traveling a lot of places. They pay for it. They do and I couldn't go on holiday when I was there. I don't even go because I'm too busy preaching. That's my wife. I never leave my hotel till I come home. I could go on vacation. I could. But can God trust you with opportunity? Can God trust you with privilege? Can God trust you with money? Can God trust you with, with poverty? Can God trust you with plenty? Can God trust you with contract? Can God trust you with fame and fortune? Hallelujah. I thank God. Christ Jesus, who opened doors. Hallelujah. Israel could never go to God and say, thank you, God. She always say, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. And the more he gives, the more she won. The more she won. The more she... Never thank God for anything long enough. If God's talking to you tonight, I don't care if you're paying time. Maybe you'll think it's just a hindrance to your life. God knows. I don't want to preach on this, but I'm preaching tonight. God want me to preach it. I know I didn't miss the mark. I know I didn't miss it. But I was talking to you, Billy. Hallelujah. I'm going to pay my time. $19.25. My God, round it up to 20 Round it up to 20 Pinching thing. Who's God talking to? I guess. Sorry, God, we missed the mark tonight. I knew we would miss it. You hate your job. You should be down here. If you think your job is inadequate, you're saying, God, you didn't bless me like you should have. You think you're in the wrong place? Then you're saying, God, you misplaced me. Okay, I'll be easy for you. If you thank God for what you have, come down the aisle. 
You look a whole lot better. Come on. Come on. Even if you're being a hypocrite, come down this aisle and thank God. Say, God, I thank you for what I have. Even though you really don't mean it. But walking down here, God's saying, test me. Prove me. Hallelujah. I'll pour you down blessing until there's no room. I will make a way. Check me out on this. Try me in this. Come on. I will not gripe and murmur and complain. I will eat. Man, if that's what you want me to eat, I will eat locusts and wild honey. If that's all I have for a diet, I'll eat it. I'd rather God open the windows of heaven on the pits of hell to me. Shaka Mahaya. Tonight, God is talking to somebody. What if someday God wants you to be a leader? Can you be like the priest? Or will you be like Jesus? What kind of spirit do you have? I'd rather go to my room and thank God for what he did than, than grab what, what, what I think I need. Because he knows what I need of before I ask him. And i got faith even supplied in due season. Shot come behind. Who's God talking tonight? Caleb, you're playing the piano tonight. God's trying to talk to you. You should do something about it. He don't even talk to you. You should take us tonight and go home and practice and cry on your knees and bawl on the bed and talk to God with tears falling on your eyes. Say, oh, God, let me fulfill the pastor's dream. Let me make this happen, God, in my life. You don't need me to come to budge every day. Come on. Come on, beloved. You don't need me to push you. You should know your place and know your position. I said, God sent me here to do these things. I don't need to be asked or to be told. I'm going to do it no matter what it takes. I'm going to make it happen. I will tithe my life to God. I'll tithe my time to God. I'll tithe my commitment to God. I won't leave my post. I'll stand there and die if I have to. It means more to me than anything else. I'm going to be faithful to Jesus. Come on, beloved. I'm talking to somebody here. Honoring God. That's why I want you guys to buy this book called Mentoring. I don't want the money from you. I don't need it. I don't need it. Give it somebody else. God, use me. Use me, Jesus. God said, tell you tonight, if you want to do something for you, start thanking him for what he has done for you. And he who knows what's missing will supply it. If you come telling me what is missing, I will not give it. I will not supply it. But if you thank me for what I've done in the past, I'll bless your future. I'll bless your future if you bless my past, blessing on your life. God want to hear praise, not protest. Shaka Mahaya. God don't want to hear your murmuring and complaining. He wants to hear your thanksgiving. And the rest of us flow right in there because he knows before you call. He said, when I'm done with anybody I touch, they're dressed better than the lilies in the field. Better than a Solomon. Who's God talking to tonight? Hallelujah. Touch my life, God. When you're busy with God, we're busy with you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. How did she feel giving her last meal after three and a half years? 
I wonder how she felt. I survived because I honored God. Hallelujah. Oh, God, speak to us tonight. Let your life be a life of thanksgiving. The only thing I murmur to God about it, God, I can't win enough soul like I should. That's my honest truth before God and man. That's the only thing I complain to God about. Today God saved. God, I just don't win soul like I want to. I'm upset when I preach and no one gets saved. Nothing else moves me. Because I... Michael, use your car for God. Do it for God. Don't be like so many I've seen come by and waste of their life. Do it for God. Use it for God. For God. For God. They were preparing for the first coming. We are preparing for the second coming. And we will not contempt God. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Sister Nisha, would you lift her voice and pray for all of us tonight? Pray for us. Yes, Lord. Ikaba hashatala Ikaba Ula Mahashatala. Yes, Lord. We're going to pray for our children also. They're going to go to school pretty soon. Very soon. They're going into a world that they have to resist. But they can be a light for God and a witness. And they need to come from a home of thanksgiving. So the world can't say to them, you're being deprived. One boy ended up dying. Before he died, he called his father. And his father didn't recognize him. They convinced him that he was deprived because he couldn't do a lot of stuff the world was doing. So he rebelled and went back in the world and 
dying from OD. He died, lost his brain, lost, died in the gutter. Father had to bury him later on when he couldn't help it. 